0: The important question of the day is: yes. What kind of car are you buying? <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. So what? So tell us what
1: happened. It so just stopped. I, yeah, like my car has kind of been like you know I I, I drive a nice car and uh, <laughs> and it's my baby. Her name is Roxanne Starla Felician, <laughs> but we call her Roxy around these parts. Okay. And because I I travel on a show called All Around Champion. So we filmed we filmed about 10 weeks each season. And so we've just done back-to-back seasons. So I've been away basically on the road for 20 weeks almost, right? I'm home like maybe once a week. So you have to imagine my car just sits there that whole time, right? Like who's, who's flooring a Audi S7? Like I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she's for probably a few months now, she's like eh, 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 not starting up great. And I'm like, Oh, her battery's just dying. Not a big deal. So I go on to go to record uh, a recording studio. Cause I have to obviously narrate the, the show. So I'm on the radio recording studio down downtown. And uh, she just stops facing East on Lake shore, literally at the lights at Leslie. And she's like, I'm done. I'm done, mama. I've done all I could do. And um, police show up just so I don't get backed rear-ended. One of my our showrunner for our show, Steve, he comes to try and give me a boost. That doesn't work. So I get it towed to this dealership. They quote me. Listen, get ready for how much they quote me to get it fixed. Okay, you want the with tax or you want the without tax first? You want the full all-in?
0: Let's sure. Let's let's do all-in. Let's do all-in. With tax, yeah, nineteen
1: thousand two hundred and thirty dollars.
0: To give your car a boost, it's like, what?
1: <laughs> right? Or give me a whole new car. Like, <laughs> I was like, no, no, this is not real. They're like, well, we could, we, we have the parts right now. Basically, they said, I have twin V8 turbo chargers. Mm-hmm. both of them died, which I'm not, I don't, I don't buy that at all. I don't think both of my chargers died. I don't know where the car is seven years old. I've owned it for five. It's, I say, take such good care of this thing that I don't buy this. So they're like, well, you can't drive it. So I get to the dealership they're like, You can't drive it. I'm like, Okay. I'm calling a tow truck cuz my car is not staying here with y'all fixing your fingers to write that many decimals, you know, after yeah. the numbers. I'm not. So my car is here, it's in the garage at home. I'm going to figure it out cuz I always do, but I'm not paying $19,000 to fix my car. I'm just not.
0: Well, listen, your book launch was amazing. Um you you put that that was you you put that whole thing together like the colors the outfits like it was tell me about that process of just that event
1: yeah I'm glad you noticed the outfits yes do you see how everything was like considered everything everything
0: everything. like (laughs) everything matched the book like that was amazing
1: Yeah, it was on purpose. So here's the thing. You know, the book was delayed by a year. Before it was delayed last March, I was going to have like an event at an art gallery to like celebrate it. Because that's what you do when you're an author, right? You launch your book. So a year later now, I thought we'd be out of COVID. I thought I could still have this in-person thing. So at the end of last year, when it was evident that I'm not going to be able to have a book launch. Listen, I'm a first time author. I've never done this before. I actually feel like I got the short end of the stick, right? I can't do a book signing can't do all these things that first time authors do, authors do in general. So I thought, I just don't wanna sit in my office and have a Zoom webinar. I mean, Karim, this is cool you and I, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. But like for my book, I just can't do this. And so I thought, what can I do? And so it was really my idea to have an event, have a launch, build a set, have it be a nod to the book, have every single detail of it be considered and celebrate the book in this way, record it, invite people to watch. And actually the good thing about it now being virtual, I probably reached more people in yeah. it being virtual than I would have had an art gallery with say less than 200 people, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah,
0: that is true, yeah. that is true. It was It was amazing. Now, was I'm I'm curious. Was it always in your head to have mom there?
1: Yeah, always. Oh, for sure. Mom was the person that wasn't in my head to have was Nova, my my uh, two year old. We weren't sure that her because she's a lot. We never know what mood she's going to be in. Of course. So my mom was always a part of the deal because you know obviously she's on the cover. She's a big. It's her story. A big part of her story. So definitely wanted her in there. It was my daughter that I'm like, should we bring her live? Should we bring her on the set? Like, what can we do? So, but
0: it worked out. She behaved. She behaved. Yeah. You were so cool. Like the whole thing was like, you were, I could tell you were in control in Mm -hmm. the back of your head. You were controlling everything. Mom sit closer to me. Yeah. Uh, Is Nova going to come. You were, you were in control of like everything was. Um, And then as I'm watching the credits, I see that you, like you basically put the whole thing together and I'm like, Wow. Yeah. Like, all that time uh, and all that effort. Um, you watched the so,
1: credits? Oh, I'm glad. A lot of people don't wait for the credits, but I love the credits. It's my favorite. one of my favorite parts. It was, like,
0: behind the scenes, and then you're wearing different yeah. outfits. It was like an Indian yeah. movie almost. <laughs> I love that. I loved it. Um, <laughs> I need to ask you this. Yeah. Um, was it always, like, did you always want to write, was it always a book you wanted to write about your your mom and your story was there thoughts of you know maybe was an essay in in the athletic or something like that or like was it was the format always supposed to be a book yeah it was always supposed to be a book
1: it was all okay. the story is deserving of being in a book once i started to piece it together and figure it out and i think what readers need to understand is i didn't know all the pieces of my mother's story growing up and even as i was writing and part of the process for me of just healing, getting to know who I was, was going back and piecing my my mother's story. One of the big uh, drivers to piece it together and put it in a book was for Nova, who's our daughter, who's now two, going to be two, was for yeah. her. because. As a woman, there was things about my life that I didn't know and my mom couldn't answer for me. I didn't want that to be with Nova's experience. Like she would ask me certain things about my life or my mother's life and, and so on. And I didn't have the answers for her. So a lot of that was, if I can follow this trail now when it's you know, not dead and gone, then yeah. I, that's what I need to do. Cause the, the later and the more decades that pass on the more things get forgotten and just, you can't
0: trace them. Absolutely. Um, when you approached uh, your mom, Catherine, yeah. To let her know, you know, you're you're definitely writing this book. It's 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 gonna, It's going to come to life. Um. Were, were, did you did you have to ask? I'm curious. Was it permission you were asking? Was it just heads up, mom? I'm starting to write. Like, tell me about that conversation.
1: Yeah. No, I'm West Indian. You can't be like, look, I'm telling all the tea and all our dirty laundry, mom. Here it is. No, I'm West. Indian. I get slapped. No. Okay. <laughs> it really was. Um, I knew I wanted to tell the story and I knew it was such a, a an incredible story. I also yeah. knew that it was a story that would help me heal and, but also help other women, women like my mother and women like me. So yeah. in 2014, when I knew I'm going to start to write, or I really wanted to write the urge to write, it was big. And I was actually going to be able to do it. I called my entire family together and in my, my sister's house in Whitby, Ontario, my mom, my siblings, their children. And I said, look, this is what I want to do. And I was really and, and so when you asked me, was I asking for their permission? What was I looking for? I think I was. I don't think it was permission. I think it was blessing. I was asking for their okay, okay for blessing. And Krim, I'll tell you this. The matriarch of our family is my mother. Had she said no, I wouldn't have written the book. Okay. It, would have not, it would behind you as beautifully as you've laid it out there would not have existed not yeah. in essay form not in a short story not as an in, in a fiction book it wouldn't have existed because it's so deeply personal I talk about homelessness I talk about you know the the idea of abortion I talk about a lot of things in this book that are that are truth right and lived experience and these are Not necessarily my, my, this is my story to tell. Yes. But when you go back and tell your story, you know, this, we're all interconnected. I'm by virtue telling the story of other people who might not want their story shared. Right. And so had my mother, who's the head of everything said no, wouldn't have happened, but she said yes. And here's why my mother said yes. Until this day, I'm still so grateful to her. She said yes because it it was hard for her to say yes, right? It wasn't like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. She said yes because, one, I think she knew I needed it to discover who I was. Remember, this is like... Yeah. Six, seven years ago, Nova wasn't around. I wasn't married. I just finished racing and competing. So you have to understand there's a lot of soul searching going on. Like, who am I? What do I do next? Sport is done and over. Like, what's my next thing? Do you see what I mean? Like, I didn't have the distraction of racing around the world. I had to just face who I was. And so I think she said yes so that I could put the pieces of my life together. But I also know that my mom is very Adamant about helping other women who's been in her predicament, meaning women who've been in abusive situations, domestic abusive situations. And she's always wanted to find a way to use her voice in a story to like empower others. And she felt if Perdita can tell the story in a book, but also show where we are now, which is very different, we are successful now, we are in a different place. Then if that can just affirm one woman or empower one woman to leave a situation that's not serving her, then that's really what she wanted, despite it maybe being painful for it to be out there for the world to read.
0: Yeah, wow. Why do you think the world needs to know about Catherine?
1: I think it's because we do a really good job of celebrating people with like name recognition, maybe they're rich or they're celebrities, right? But I think the everyday heroes in our midst don't really get the recognition that they want, especially not women, especially not women of color. And my mother has single-handedly changed the trajectory of my life. Me racing around the world, me holding up this Canadian flag and being a world champion and bringing glory and recognition to Canada on the sports scene would have never happened without her, right? My mother has 15 grandchildren. All of their lives look very different than her life, which was one of poverty, which was one of selling on a beach and living a very modest life, dropping out of school when she was you know, 11, 12 years old because she had to take care of her family or help take care of her family. And she loved school. Nobody in our family since her has had that, that same outcome, right? The opportunities, the success, the life that we've lived, we're all living out loud because of my mother and one wow. woman has single-handedly done that. So that's why the story needs to be told. It's a love letter to my mother and women like her.
0: That's amazing. Um, you, you talk, you, you just mentioned the story, you know, um, also touches on abortion. Yeah. Um, and your, your mom had to, your mom decided, like mm-hmm. it was an active decision yeah. to keep you. Yeah. Um. When you, when your mom first told you that story, like, you know, her thought, like, what, I, I, can't even imagine, like, that must have rocked your world. I, yeah, and I go back in it in the book a little bit about realizing that
1: because I was, I was, I was older when I, I was in my teen years, right, so I had no real idea about my origin stories or what happened, but yeah, my mother is you know, she meets um, a wealthy white family on the beaches of St. Lucia as a teen mother. So I'm not one of her first two kids, I'm her third. So I wasn't around when she met this family. They're from Oshawa, Ontario. And she approaches them one day on the beach as they're vacationing. And and just because she sells on the beach, she actually wants to babysit because babysitting is a little bit, of a step up from just selling on the beach. So she approaches this couple, she trespasses onto hotel property so that she can go and approach this couple and ask them to babysit. They say yes, for some reason. And I kind of piece together why they said yes, what happened? But they eventually, a few years later, bring her to Canada. When she comes to Canada, her whole thing is, well, I want the, the, the trajectory of my life to be different. And I want my kids to not sell on the beach, but Canada might hold that, that opportunity. So she's building. While she's here over the three years, she happens to get pregnant with me, I'm not planned. So yes, as she's here with no papers, no real traction, living for really meager pay in the basement of this elderly, wealthy couple who take advantage of her, she is trying to make a life. But once she gets pregnant with me by accident, she has to figure out, well, if I keep this pregnancy, this tenuous existence and this life that I'm trying to build, I can't build it with a, with a, the with a baby. I can't even afford it for myself. Um, but if she kind of gets rid of me, which is her right as a woman, then she can probably get a little bit tra- more traction a little bit quicker, right? And build yeah. this life that she desperately wants to live. So when my mom is first recounting to me, you know, in my teenage years that this was her story, it was mind blowing for me because I didn't realize that that was a thing. I didn't realize that. She was, it was literally, my existence was hanging by, you know, a decision in a hospital room, her sitting on the, on the, on the table and a doctor telling her, you can actually terminate the pregnancy you can and offering this to her as a way out and she didn't take it for various reasons why I I pinpoint in the book but it was not an easy decision she was very close to making the opposite decision so for me you have to understand it's very very difficult to go back in the past and piece this together because you're actually realizing things about your own life how close you were to maybe not even existing and how close I was to my mother making even when I did come about how close she was to making a very di- different decision. My mom could have went back. And honestly, I'm looking at it like, my mommy should have went back because the amount of wow. abuse and indignities that she faced. She's living in the basement of this couple. She goes into labor with me. Her other children are in St. Lucia because she's not there with them. I'm in, it's 1980, she's pregnant with me. She's decided to stay, like I said, because she knows this is probably her only chance of creating something for us and herself. And she goes into labor with me. She has not had a maternity leave her entire pregnancy. The family who she's working for, this elderly couple, has not granted her one. She knocks on the door to say, I'm in active labor. I need to go to the hospital. Someone help me take me. And they're inconvenienced by her going into labor with me. And when they finally decide to take her to the hospital, she can't go yet. And my mother can't go to the hospital, even though she's in labor with me, because this family will have nothing to eat. And so before Catherine can go to the hospital, she has to make 10 tuna sandwiches for this couple and make sure that they're frozen. So while she's gone into labor in that Oshawa General Hospital, this family at least has some snacks or something to eat. Wow. Those are the dignities that my mother faced to, to, to be able to be in this country and to give me... You know, in a moment like that, over my shoulders, where I can race at the Olympics and I can be
0: something. Wow your your mom says to you, and I don't know if if you were like a baby just born or whether you were older, yeah. but like she says to you that you gave her hope, like mm-hmm. your birth gave her hope. Yeah. Um, as, as as a as as a mom of 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 like a uh, of Nova. Yeah. I'm curious, did you did you tell Nova anything when she was born? Did you whisper something into her ear? Like, do yeah. you tell her any affirmations nowadays?
1: Yeah, I do. As her mother, I do. I, I make affirmations in her life every day. I pray for her every day. Here's the thing that I I'd only... S- revealed is as I was writing my mother's daughter, I was trying, Morgan and I were married, and we were trying to have a family, but we couldn't. And so I actually needed to go through IVF and everyone, anyone that's heard of IVF, you know, it's a very invasive medical treatment to just try and help families conceive. And so I went through that while writing my mother's daughter. And so it was kind of ironic and just uncanny that I'm writing about the strong bond I have with my mother and piecing them together. And I'm trying to have a child of my own. We never- I yeah. never knew what Nova was going to be until the day that she was born. So I didn't know that she was a daughter. And so yeah. she's born, She's a daughter. And so I affirm so many things in her life, right? And I think a lot of the things that my mom affirmed in my life. So when my mom would say to me through the years, you gave me hope, you gave me strength, you gave me purpose, I actually get that. And as I was even revising my mother's daughter and it was gonna go to the publisher for the final time, Nova was in the NICU, four four pounds old, four pounds um, at birth, uh, only a few days old, and and, and came into this world really, really with difficulties. She's fine now, thank God. But it almost really allowed me to understand why my mother did what she did. And even as I'm going and writing and revising the book, it made me understand what I had come to say as a daughter, as now a new mother, and it made me understand my mother's plight and her... her, um, why she just sacrificed what she did because I would do that for Nova. And as I was writing, I didn't understand at times why my mother would do the things that she did. Why was she so adamant about going through these things for us and for her? But now I get it because you want your children to stand on your shoulders. You want them to see yeah. further than you could ever see. Every woman, every, every parent wants that for their child. And I got that in my experience, in my mom's experience. Uh, love is
0: complicated. Love is complicated. I was i was uh a bit I don't know if I was taken aback or if I was shocked yeah uh you still have a relationship with your your dad yeah. um, I know uh a week or so ago when when you uh filmed uh the book launch yeah. um you know he knew the book was out you weren't sure whether he had read it um, i'm I'm curious now as uh, have you had a had a chance to talk with him since since then Yeah. My
1: relationship with my dad is very interesting, right? It's, we don't talk every day. We don't talk every week even, or every month, right? We kind of check in as we need to, or if there's a holiday or his birthday or Christmas or Easter. So to answer your question, Karim, I have not talked to him since the launch. I haven't talked to him in a while. And um, I don't even know if he knows about the book. Maybe one of my sisters have told him. So... But your sentiment is what a lot of people have said to me, like I could not be friends with this man, knowing what he's done to you and your family, what he's done to your mother I don't know why you still speak to him I have people say that to me, but it's what you've said love is complicated it's a complex emotion, and I did say that at the launch that the man my dad was before when I was a child he's not that same person he just can't be we're older we'll beat him up (laughs) um (laughs) but really (laughs) really it doesn't excuse what he's done but he's not that person and so I I don't know what to say about my relationship with him I think writing the book has allowed me to understand the father that figure that I wanted him to be, the constant presence, the doting dad, you know, he's never been that. He loves me. And if I'm in a pinch, he'll most likely be there for me how he can, but he's not that. So why would I suddenly imagine that I've written this book and I'm 40 years old and this man who's shown me who he is would suddenly be this fairy tale father like he that's not him and so I choose to love him as he is as who he is and in the book you'll see me even telling him that I'm writing this book that is revealing all our dirty laundry and revealing some really horrible memories that include him was hard for me to do and I know it'll hurt him if he reads it I know it'll hurt him if his friends read it but I couldn't tell a, a sanitized version of my truth I just couldn't do that
0: wow um You've been talking a lot about you being 40 years old and I have to tell you this that is that is young from from where I'm sitting 40 40 years old is is young uh, you've got so much more do you, do you still like do you do you still look back at you know whether it's your your, your racing career or the mm-hmm. the years before that
1: uh, a little bit, not much. But you know what? I will say I hold that forty as a badge of honor, but forty seems loaded in the best of ways though. Because I have I have a clarity about who I am as a woman. There's certain stuff I don't take. There's certain requests that I'm like, oh, not my problem. So I say 40 almost <laughs> like as a way that I'm proud because I wouldn't affirm myself or stand in my truth the way yeah. I do at 40. And I I'm like that you say that there's still so much life to live, which is good to know, Absolutely. right? There's something special about saying I'm 40 and I'm grown that you can't say at 30 little girl, you can't say at 20 little woman, you just can't. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about the Denise house. Yeah. So the Denise House is a, a, a women's emergency shelter, a crisis shelter for women, women and children in Oshawa, Ontario, where me and my mother and my sister fled in November of 1987 after a uh, an encounter with my dad, a fight with my dad. My mom was pregnant at the time, and the Denise House really changed the trajectory of my life. So I highlighted a bit about the abusive relationship my mother was in with my dad. And my mom had no idea that a place like that existed, but we showed up there um, because things aren't always safe with my dad, right? If he's in a good mood, we're good. If he's not, if he's pissed off about mom not washing the dishes, it's not a good night. So we showed up there in 1987 and that really is where the trajectory of my mother's life changed because they offered her a home in Pickering, Ontario which is a few towns east or west rather. And we moved into this house with a few garbage bags of things, maybe a broom, not tons of stuff. But that's really where my mother got traction because she now had her own roof. She now for the first time in Canada after almost a decade had autonomy. And she could. She wasn't oppressed under my dad's thumbs. She called the shots. And here's what's really gives me goosebumps even telling this story now. So we were there in 1987, by 1988, they got us a home. And we flourished in that home, we had our struggles, but we flourished, we found our way, we found our way. Then in 2014, fast forward more than 30 years later, I am writing my book, 2014, I'm writing my book and I'm doing research, right? I'm researching and I've talked to dozens upon dozens of people who knew us. So one of the obvious places to start is the Denise House. So I look up their number on the internet and I find the name of the executive director, uh, Sandra McCormick, and I call her, she answers the phone and I explain who I am, what I'm doing. So Sandra McCormick on the other end of the floor of the phone, as I'm researching for my book in 2014, says to me, Perdita, I know who you are and I've been following your career for years. In fact, I am the woman in 1987, it's now 2014, who opened the door and welcomed you, your sister and your pregnant mother on that cold winter's night. Wow, could you that woman is still at the door still at the phone knows yeah. me remembers me knows our story till this day I, th- that boggles my mind that that she's still there one shows her dedication and testament to women and children, but two every single portion, every, a portion of every single book that I sell, I'm donating to the Denise House. That is without question. That is without reservation. There's no doubt in my mind that it has to go there to help the next woman and child, to help the next family, to help Sandra be able to bring resources and change the lives of women and children who need a safe haven. And yeah. to me, it's the least that I can do. We're still connected to them in this day, to this day. We're still so grateful with them. My mom tell, shares her story and is really connected to that place because it changed our lives truly
0: well you you know you're you're sort of living proof that um a home like a roof over a family's head how much power yeah uh stability that that brings um and you know in 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 toronto we're uh still currently not only having a crisis with with covid uh but there's a homelessness crisis uh and you know Cities looking to kick so many families out of uh, Mm -hmm. parks because, unfortunately, these families can't afford a home. But just think of the investment opportunity Mm there—that you put a roof over people's heads. What these people can turn out to to become. Um, I don't have much time with you. I want to thank you so much, Perdita, for. For your time and generosity, I know you're so busy. Um, I, I have to, I have to ask you this. There, there's a young man. Um, he 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 has written, but it's it's his first time writing a book. His name is Morgan. I don't know if you know uh, <laughs> this, this young man. Do you, you you have any advice for 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 Morgan?
1: My hubby, Morgan Campbell. He's such a good good writer, isn't he? You know what? I think Morgan is just. I'm so proud of him what he's doing right writing his first book and I mean Nova's gonna have two parents who are published authors like traditionally I mean that's amazing I think he knows how to write I think he knows what to do I think he just needs to like follow like his inner voice and I love my husband sometimes I think like he's juggling so many different things like with house and home and I think like just do your thing you know what to do leave Nova with me proper on my lap and go write do you know what I mean like he has in him and I just want to wish him like the best of luck on his book I'm excited to see what it's going to do but if anything like he needs to follow like my steps in that like it's stressful he can see it just like take it as it comes like launch day is coming sooner rather than later just like sit let it all let it all sink in it
0: it'll happen it'll happen yeah I'm looking for he's he's one of my uh, I love reading his stuff um, I've had a chance to listen to a, uh, a couple of his podcasts now that he's doing um, I'm so happy he's found a sort of a professional home um yeah where, where he's at and i'm really looking forward uh to reading his book but uh again we thank you so much congrats on the book the book is my mother's yeah. daughter and memoir of struggle and triumph Love you're that. still wearing the same colors today i see you see this, that is right? vibrant colorful that that is perfect and uh again best uh, this book is doing amazing best of luck continuing with this Um, and, you know, Mother's Day is, uh, is, is, is coming up a perfect uh, gift for, for anyone really, but uh, you know, for, for mothers, for daughters, uh, and for those.
1: A neighbor, anybody, any fathers can give to, 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 wives and to daughters, anybody, boyfriends, aunties, uncles, everybody. It's for everybody.
0: Awesome. Thank you again, Perdita. Thank you. See you later.